Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Before I had gotten locked up. Minimal interaction. After a few weeks, she came to come visit me, and she had my name tattooed on her. I'm always yours, Dylan, on her stomach. And then my name in Chinese on the back of her thighs, my name in Arabic on her collarbone. That's a commitment. You know, that's a forever, that's a forever thing right there. You ready? And borderline obsessive. So I'm a little worried. to a love after lockup special recap i had to say for two hours of a mid-season finale they're not coming back until sometime in october um boring not not really that exciting y'all that's a shame because it's really been this season has really been giving it to me and for two hours they were not not really much of a cliffhanger situation at all um in the interim they are going to have a four-part life after lockup we're in quarantine time special i don't know that i'm going to be i'll watch the i'll watch the first episode for sure i don't know if it's going to be worth talking about i guess only time will tell so let's get on to the recap I'm going to start with Christiana and John. They really can't do much with them because Christiana is in the halfway house. And basically the crux of their storyline is that the only reason why Christiana is able to get out into the real world is to apply for jobs. They have to have like a 10, they have to apply for to 10 jobs a week. That's their quota. And John's dumbass has, um, 
basically convinced Christiana like, hey, let's write down a list of places that you can apply to that are also going to be places that where we can like stretch this out a bit and make the most of our time together. So if you apply to a restaurant, maybe this will be like our first meal that we get to have together outside of you being in jail. So they go to this diner. I I just got to say on the way there, I noticed um, John had, I don't know what, it's like a, it was like a, like a window sticker. I don't know what those are called. Window stickers, I guess. And it said Bonnie and Clyde on the back window of his truck. Lord. What? Bonnie and Clyde personalities are something that really evade me. I don't get them. I, yeah, it's delusional. <laughs> like, we're supposed to believe that you guys are, like, literally ride or die, and that Bonnie and Clyde are somehow, like, relationship goals, and, like, I just can't tap into that energy, and thank God for that, because everybody who thinks that they're Bonnie and Clyde, like... Their relationships end up with, like, <sighs> cheating, somebody getting pregnant, or somebody getting someone pregnant. Um, it's always just mess. Just like a hood rat mess. And, you know what? Bless you. Bless you, John. And bless you with that suede coat that you insist on wearing. <sighs> and those relaxed fit jeans. Um, so... They sit down at the restaurant. John's got his back to the door. And this seemed very scripted. Because why would he mention, like, oh, I don't like having my back to the door. Christian's like, oh, I'll I'll protect you. I I can't do that frogger voice. (laughs) Um, So, as soon as they sit down, they get menus. Christiana asks for an application. Soon as the waitress walks away, she says, yes, I'll get you on. As soon as she walks away, somebody from the halfway house says, get up. We're going back home. You're not supposed to be eating. This is your time to be applying for jobs. So obviously somebody's watching them. What did y'all think? Surely they knew Christiana was filming a show. They had to have known that, right? Don't you think that? Anytime you leave, that somebody from the halfway home is going to be watching you to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Duh. John just like cannot believe that this is happening and like he's taking no responsibility for his participation in the actions whatsoever. He's just so worried about Christiana. She's got a whole history of you know, leaving the halfway house, going and using, what if she goes and uses, and I'm just, I'm going to have to be there to save her, like, sir, you wouldn't have to save her if you weren't the one who got her in trouble to begin with, did you ever think about that, did you ever think about that when you were pacing around downtown Dubuque, huffing on your vape, did you ever think, maybe I should, you know, just try and help her, do the right thing rather than be a dumbass and get her in trouble. So she has to go back. They won't even let John take her back to the halfway house. 
the employee there is like, you're riding with me on the way there. We hear her. She's mic'd up and she's like, am I going to be in trouble? I'm so sorry. You know, like she's obviously very worried about her future. He gets a call from Christiana and she got a ticket, I guess. The ticket is obviously a punishment. And these tickets, she tells us, are, like, meant to have people continue to stay in the halfway house. You have to pay to live in the halfway house. So it's basically, she's saying it's like a money grab. They try to keep you in there to get as much money out of you as they can. They're not really interested in helping you. That was really the end of it. John is trying to figure out ways to play, like, superhero. Whatever, dude. Whatever. Another boring couple, Shonda and Tyrese. Time has run out. All of their episodes have been like, you know, she gets out of jail. He takes her to the chicken spot. It's too late. He wanted to bump and grind and get some, but he wasn't able to. He has to take her back to the bus stop. She has to go to Kansas, I believe, to uh, go to her halfway house. On the way there, she's eating chicken wings, and he's like, you know, people were worried because of our age difference. She's like, no, I'm not worried about that. But then immediately in an interview, she's like, yeah, I mean, he's got three kids, and his oldest kid is the same age as me, 28. And that is, now that I'm out, that's kind of (laughs) weird. I, it's clear, it's incredibly abundantly obvious that she has no interested in him now that she's on the outside she's gonna take his $200 that he gives her at the bus station and keep it pushing I'm gonna take this little gorilla arm pleather jacket that you got me and these like sneaker heels what do you call those you know what I mean um and keep it moving so they um She's faking it. Real fake it till I make it. He's like giving her pecs outside of the bus station. And at one point he like grabs the back of her head to like get into a deeper kiss. And she ends up like pure like self-defense move. Like pivoting her head out of the way. And she's like laughing. Ha ha. Like oh you're so funny. You're so cute. I'm totally attracted to you. She ends up going. Getting on the bus. Two dollars in her pocket. Oh, she just tricked the hell out of that man. So, <laughs> Tyrese goes back to Chicago. His son, little Ty, comes over and he's like, Hey, Dad, did you get laid? What, sir, why is that your first question? Yuck. Yuck. His, then he says, you know, like, she's my age. She just got a jail. These people take advantage of people like you. And... You need to watch yourself. Did you give her money? Yeah, I gave her money. How much money did you give her? I gave her $20 million. What do you care? Don't don't, don't ask me how much I gave her. <laughs> and that's basically it. Like, Tyrese is like, you need to watch yourself because you're a very successful man. And I'm just wondering, like, when are we going to see the success? Because I just, maybe, you know, I haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know. But if anybody could just point me in the direction of, like, a man who wears white leather jackets, bomber jackets, as a success, like, 
just let me know. Let me see. I want to see the reference and I want to see what page it's on. Let me know. Moving on to Jessica and Maurice. So they're officially in Nevada and they're going to meet Jessica's parents. I had a bad feeling about Father Dave and especially when we got a real close look up at him. I'm like, he seems to be abiding by the Steve Bannon skincare regimen. I, I don't know. I understand that like they're in the desert. The sun hits a little bit differently, but like, you know, can we, can we get some sunblock? They got that everywhere. Sure. We, they have suntan lotion, sunblock in Nevada, 45 SPF 60. It might be too late for you, dog. I don't know if, uh, Ooh, it, it was a lot. Anyway, like I said, in the beginning, I was definitely sure that they were one of those parents that like, oh, are they really going to be that accepting of a crip in their home? A very tall black man with a lot of tattoos, especially ones that reference his, you know, tenure, if you will, as a gang member. And mm, I don't know. So they get in the house and Maurice is like pacing around like this is his parents' home. Like, oh, this is so nice. I feel so much more at home now. My cousin's house that I was at in Compton had roaches. This is a great little setup we got here. No, now I'm really at home. Like, sir, you don't even know them. (laughs) This is not your home. Jessica doesn't live here. He is loving his life like he won the fucking lottery. Immediately, even though they had this conversation in the car on the way, Jessica says, please do not tell my parents that you're supposed to be stationed in California. You're not even supposed to be there. Please don't tell them. Of course, I'm not going to tell them. Immediately tells them. Immediately tells them. <laughs> I'm having a rough time with my parole. I'm not going to lie. They're being a little bit iffy about letting me stay here. Oh. So you're not supposed to be here? Okay. Um, I'm going to have to talk to you outside right now, Maurice. This is from her father. (sighs) Maurice, you got a little too comfortable. A little too comfortable. You saw that wraparound stairs and you were like, I'm telling everything. This is great. <laughs> so well, they're separated. Jessica's talking to her mom in the kitchen and she's like, well, I'm just worried. Like, you know, I don't know. You know, like he seems really nice, but I'm just not really sure. And <sighs> I could be wrong. So outside, David and Maurice are having this conversation and Dave's like, listen, I'm concerned about my family. Said I don't want anybody from your past to know anything about my family. I don't want any anything from your past at all coming up into my sweet white daughter's future. Okay. And I've worked very hard. And I will rain hellfire down on you if anything happens. 
Maurice, honestly, has a very, he talks a good game. He's like, listen, I appreciate you saying this to me. I got I'm going to be honest with you. My mom did the best that she could, but the streets did the rest of raising me. And I got caught up in some bad things. And, you know, where I come from, you either are in jail or dead. So I've already done my time and I'm ready to live. I really want a male figure in my life that can mentor me. And I just hope that you're the guy who's going to do that. I need a strong male figure. I need somebody that I can talk to, look for advice, have a man-to-man talk with. And I'm very um, invested in protecting my wife, doing the best that I can. Actions speak louder than words. And I'm really ready to like start phase two. Dave is like, listen, this is a really great opportunity for you. Because I don't have a son and I always wanted that father-son type relationship. I wanted to have somebody who we could go fishing and we could work on projects at the house and we can have that kind of relationship. So, you know, I'm open, but I'm worried. And then he tells him, listen, you got to go back to California and Jessica is going to stay here and you guys are just going to have to make that work. 60 days, not really that long in the scheme of things. The first right thing that you need to do is to go back to California. So Maurice, fortunately, you know, I'm glad he said that because, I mean, frankly, he's right. I think it's interesting that he doesn't want Jessica to be with him. But other than that, I mean, he's not wrong. He's not going to be getting into anything but trouble by breaking his parole. That's just the truth. All right. So let's move on to Koyalan and Chevelle. So they're having a welcome back party for Koyalan. Everybody's happy days, drinking, eating, having a good time. Except for D-Mark, Chevelle's cousin, who has decided that he hates Koyalan forever and that Nothing is going to change his mind. Everybody goes outside. It's like a very super sweet 16 moment in which they surprise Quaylon with his new, you know, used but new to him F-150. Quaylon doesn't even have a license yet. <laughs> but he's very excited about his truck. Chevelle's cousin is mean mugging from the lawn. <laughs> he says, you know what? Quaylon's been talking a good game. I've been listening to what he's saying. He's a smooth talker, but it's only a matter of time before the shit hits the fan. Quaylon and Chevelle's moms have a conversation separately, and it is awkward. (laughs) Basically, this whole party is like, mostly everybody's happy, but there are several people who are having one-on-one conversations with one another. Keeping it cute, but, well, not D-Mark. The moms are keeping it cute, but they're getting real shady. (laughs) So they're going back and forth and like Quaylon's mom thinks that Chevelle's bribing him. 
Chevelle's mom wants to know why she feels like it's bribing. She just has love for your son. And this is just how she is. This is a real Chevelle. She's taking care of your son. <sighs> then it's like, well, my mom, mom vibe tells me um, that Chevelle's using Quaylon. Well, my mom vibe is telling me that Quaylon's using the Chevelle. So what do you think about that? They decide to, uh, Chevelle's mom's like, you know, I'm getting up from this conversation, but mm, I I'm feeling some type of way, but I'm going to keep it cute for the sake of the party. So then <laughs> Quaylon and Chevelle have this happy moment where they're cutting his cake, which really look like two big ass sugar cookies with like a bunch of frosting in the middle and on top but I've never seen a cake like that before but whatever it looked like like two yeah like like those sprinkle cookies not sprinkle cookies you know what I mean the ones that come like and they're like pink and they have sprinkles on them like thick sugar cookies with a thick glob of frosting but like the biggest possible version of that um so, Quaylon goes out for a cigarette and DeMarc goes outside to talk to him. And he's like, okay, for real, how is y'all's relationship going to work? Because we're all having a great time right now, but not every day is going to be, oh, welcome back, Quaylon. We love you, Quaylon. Everything's like hunky-dory. At some point, you're going to have to be in the real world with a real wife who's got a real child. And you're going to need to get a real job. Reality is going to set in. And I just feel like you guys are going to make it six months. And I'm being generous about that. Honestly, I think it's going to be like three. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. He's really going hard and like slapping his hands to make a point and gesticulating wildly and you just didn't really need he didn't really need to give all that. <laughs> and thank God for Quaylon because he is just staring at him like, okay. <laughs> he says in an interview, like, I know what he's trying to do. I know he's trying to get me riled up and I'm not going to let him do it. Go ahead, Quaylon. Thank God for that. Um, yeah, but then there's another conversation between... Quaylon's sister and Chevelle and they're in the kitchen and Chevelle doesn't seem to understand that this boy 
is institutionalized. She keeps saying he went into jail a boy, but now he's 29. He's a man. Quaylon's sister's like, listen, here's the deal. Like, listen, this boy has been in jail for 12 years for the entirety of his adult life as he, as we would know it. He doesn't just come out of jail, a man ready for the world and ready for all of life's responsibilities. He's still in a lot of ways, that 17 year old boy, he doesn't even know how to work a smartphone, you know, (laughs) like technology is so different. And I keep saying this, but it's so crazy to think about like, I'm 34. If I had gone to jail at 22, things have changed so drastically. I mean, it would just take so much time to like adjust to that real world. I I truly couldn't even imagine it. So yeah, she's trying to get it, but like Chevelle, every time Chevelle, anytime somebody says something to Chevelle about like, how maybe you should be a little bit more cautious. She takes it as like, she gets really defensive and she takes it as like, people are trying to go against them. But like, I really felt like Quaylon's sister was like, yeah, of course she wants her brother in um, Houston or Dallas, Texas. We'll just say Texas, (laughs) Houston, I think. She wants him in Houston. She makes a very good point of like, why would you want him to stay in the place where he was shot and left for dead. Like, there are people... This city is not a good city. There's a high gun crime rate. He has been... He is a statistic. And, you know, like, it's just really shit of you for him to, like, to insist that he stay here in a place that has not been kind to him. She has to understand that, like, his family cares about him very deeply and they care about his well-being and his future. And it's not just like, we want you away from Chevelle. Like, that's not what it is at all. (laughs) That's not the problem. I mean, they don't like her, but I think they care about him more than them not liking her. And she's just taking it as like, oh, y'all don't like me. And I think that's really fucked up and it's unfair to Quaylon, really, because she's not being understanding of where they're coming from. Anyway, that was really it. I mean, Chevelle's sister, or Quaylon's sister was like, I'm not going to disrespect you by saying anything in your house, but I do need you to know that if anything happens to my brother, it's going to be a very big problem for you. So, just letting you know. Thank you. Thanks for the cake. See you later. So let's move on to, oh Lord, let's move on to Lindsay and Scott. (sighs) Scott wakes up one day and he has 16 missed calls from Lindsay. He's able to call her back and it turns out that Lindsay is coming back that day. She doesn't even have to go to the halfway house because of we're in like full on COVID times at this point. They're not letting her, they're just letting her do like a home, you know, homestay. 
They don't want people up in that halfway house getting COVID from each other. She's clearly been in a large population. You know, safety concerns. It's not worth it. We'll put pop an ankle monitor on you and, and keep it pushing. So our first interaction, and did anybody else notice this? Our first interaction with Lindsay is like, her first interview is real, um, tweaky. Tweaky would be the right word I would use. You, her, <laughs> at first I was like, you can't see her pupils. And then I was like, no, I think all we see are her pupils. And she settles down from there. So maybe I'm, I was just reading too much into like the very first seconds that we saw her in that interview, but her mannerisms and the way she was just like, it was like real giving me mm, uppers. We'll say that. Uh, so she gets to the airport. They have her out in Phoenix and then she's going to fly to Mississippi. So in the interim, she calls her daughter, Miley Grace and She's having a conversation between her mom, who's taking care of Miley, and trying to figure out when she can see Miley. She wants to see her immediately when she gets back, but because of COVID concerns, Miley and the fact that Miley's in school and they don't know, like, the kids are out of school now, but they don't, you know, it's still that time where, like, everything's kind of up in the air. Are they going to go back to school? Like, what's the deal? So her mom says, listen... You have to quarantine for 14 days, like, no doubt about that. Then we have to figure out what's going on with school. But as soon as we find out that Miley is not going to be in school any longer, like, you can have her. No problem. I really felt for Lindsay in that moment because you could notice her chin shaking like she was trying not to cry. And it really does seem like... Uh... Lindsay really cares about Miley. So <laughs> then we get to, uh, she gets to Mississippi. Um, Scott did not have time to arrange for yet another stretch Hummer truck limo. And so he has to pick her up in the pickup truck. Scott, First of all, was saying like, oh, I came down from New York to Mississippi, got this house, like I make a good amount of money. And then a couple episodes into it, he was like, well, I may have been a little bit exaggerating how much money I made. And then we see his truck and it's, mm, it's giving me like late 90s. Like it looks pretty almost vintage. We're almost at a vintage level car. It's a, a late model car. We'll say that. Is that what that means? Or does late model mean new? I have no idea. Yes. Living in New York, you know. <laughs> so, so anyway, he's got his shirt tucked in so deep, so tight into his jeans. <laughs> it looks like some kind of like European... Gigolo. <laughs> I really don't know how to say. Like he looks like Euro trash. Is Euro trash just? It's it's not offensive, right? I mean, you know what? Like he just looks like he 
goes to bars and like nightclubs and like you would just see him around of like a lot of women that he's like that are way out of his league you know what I mean real deep tight tight tuck and I don't think that's a shirt that you really tuck in you really look like a nerd anyway she is so excited to see him she's hoping that the chemistry is the same as it was on the phone he hasn't even gone to visit her, so this is truly their first time meeting. And Lindsay also told us on the flight that she is accustomed to a certain kind of lifestyle. I mean, she's already made that clear, but by that I mean she has a history of dating older men because they're wealthy and they can provide for her, and so she's hoping to, you know naturally transition to the life that she's accustomed to. But, you know, I really love Scott, and so, like, I'm just really hoping that, you know, I'm still in love with him after this. Scott says something that's very telling. He says something along the lines of, like, what did he say? She, he says, oh my god, what did he say? I'm, I'm, Okay, so he says, at this point, Lindsay is the love of my life. At this point, Lindsay is the love of my life. And if everything works out, we'll get married. Not exactly romantic, is it? Hmm. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, so he takes her out to the truck. She's like, ugh, this is like a drug dealer truck and like a cheap drug dealer. <laughs> Like, I understand that it was very last minute. He didn't have time to, like, get a limo. I didn't expect it. But, like, yuck. (laughs) So, they get to the house. And he has to let her in. Unlock the door. And she said, you know, I gave him, you know, magazine cutouts of what I wanted. What my expectations were. I expect this house to be done. Decorated to my taste levels. We saw him in the first episode getting that um, that uh, interior decorator. We didn't really see much of, I think her name was Karen, anymore after that, did we? So when we walk in, mm, mm, okay. She said that she was very pacific about what she wanted. And I guess those pacificities did not work. <laughs> so... She's not happy. And listen, this is where shit gets complicated, right? Because obviously these women expect a lot. But, like, I have to give them credit because... Well, not credit, but, like, I have to give them grace. Because you... These men... It's like Anfisa and George from 90 Day Fiance, right? It's like, yeah, she was kind of a bitch. And she really had these expectations of, like, living the high life. But it's also, like, George told her and made a lot of false promises to her. So, like, even though I think it's, like, really kind of shitty for her to be disappointed, I'm not really. Because the more the cameras were closing up on what exactly the state of the home was, I'm like, oh. Mm. (laughs) So... She's looking around the house. 
we see one of the cutouts that she gave him of the design of the closet that she wanted. Very, you know, contemporary, had drawers, high up bars to hang stuff, low bars, like two level, um, and also like some cubes and stuff. What she got was not like the picture. We'll say that. I actually don't think there were cubes in the picture. It was basically like two random drawers and she got the bars. But then those cubes that were like, you know, just like this, like a storage cube. And the clothes are not really hung. There's one pink hoodie hung up in the closet. All of the rest of the clothes, which are the clothes that I guess he brought initially when he was going to pick her up the first time. He just took them out of the duffel bag and stuffed them into the cubes. So they're not even folded. They don't look any kind of neat. They look like like some bachelor who has no care in the world for how his home looks. Half of the a lot of the house is still in a state of construction. He was supposed to have built out a room for Miley. The room is built. It's not finished. But it does have four walls and concrete has been laid on the floor. We'll say that. It almost looked like he was trying to renew the garage into her room, convert it into her room. I really don't know. But so uh, then we see like the house has got a few little points of disrepair that there are walls that look detached the paint really needs to be touched up in a lot of the rooms we're seeing dirty carpet dirty hardwood floors carpet definitely needs to be shampooed he's got two labs in there he doesn't really look like he's got a very close relationship with uh vacuum he, she's got her flip-flops on. She's like, I can't even, I'm not even going to take my shoes off because I don't want to walk on these floors. She's like, you understand, like, I had cleanliness standards in the prison. I wiped down the toilet seat every time before I went. It's like, I am, I don't mind cleaning, but this is now like a maid situation. <laughs> And I didn't come here to be the maid. She's getting more and more amped up. Of course, Scott throws it back at her like, I just got you out of a, you know, out of a, you were living in a cube before this. You should be happy that you have four walls. She's like, I had four walls at the jail, sir. So what do you, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> and I could probably walk on, well, I could probably walk on the floor without my flip flops, you know? <sighs> Listen. Miley doesn't deserve to, you know, sleep on a table saw. That's for sure. (laughs) That room was in no condition, like not even anywhere close to done. The walls weren't even up. They were constructed, but they were not up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's just so hard. Like, obviously this homegirl has champagne taste, but like Scott made promises to her. 
He made promises. He was like, oh, well, I didn't, like, sit there and, like, deep scrub the hardwood floors. But it also was like, ugh. You could just tell that he doesn't clean. He's, like, not those guys that clean. She said there was a bunch of dog hair in the shower. He was like, there can't be dog hair. She's like, well, maybe it was your hair then. (laughs) Which is worse. Like, yuck. Ugh. It just had that sheen of, like, just grime and and gross and dog hair too big oh grossy so she gets more and more amped up she says i came home to a county fair (laughs) there's not even furniture in the house save for the bed not a couch there was one like fold out seat there was one um cabinet that had a tv on it in the living room but it's like you can't sit anywhere (sighs) a hot mess a hot hot mess so she's pissed she starts cussing him out this is not what i expected i could go home it gets to the point where she completely melts down and just flops on the floor he tries to go to like comfort her she's like get away from me (laughs) and he's like okay he he walks out she does a talking head from the bed of like how miserable she is she was not expecting it to be this bad he's like this is a bit of an oddity i she's not the same person that i expected her that i was expecting and that i'm used to and She goes from being like a lovely Southern Belle to this very vindictive person. It's like, okay, well, that's what you get for insisting that she was a a sweet, white, pretty, white woman. And that everybody was just like causing problems for her. That she was just a victim to everyone in the world being jealous of her. She's in jail. Not for the fact that she went on a high-speed chase with a gun and 95 95 grams of uh, meth on her, but just because she's a pretty white woman and everybody just wants to bring her down. All right, let's go on to Dylan and Heather. My girl, the girl that we just met last week. (laughs) So she's getting ready. She's like fresh out of the shower, still has her towel around her, putting her makeup on. <laughs> we see, did y'all notice a tattoo that said in the middle of her back, wanna, and then blurred out? Presumably being wanna fuck. I, I mean, I can't imagine what else it would have been. Sweetie. She's got a, a collarbone tattoo in Arabic, and then a couple other things going on. She is just patting away patting away on that beauty blender talking about how excited she is she is so excited so very horny and she's excited about the potential of even having sex with him in the car if that's what it takes like I'm ready I'm here I've got the sex toys packed in the trunk I'm you know (laughs) people say (laughs) You stay ready, you don't have to get ready, and, and she's she's ready. She is ready. Please, 
Please put your dick inside of her so we can all get some rest. My God. Um, on the way there, she says that there's a <clears throat> small percentage of doubt that she has about Dylan because before Dylan got into jail, he was only interested in getting fucked up and having sex with everyone. Which I thought was, I thought that was a little bit interesting of a phrasing. Like, is Dylan a bisexual icon? Like, I'm here for that. I just want to know. Uh, Heather actually has a dark past, and I'm going to issue a trigger warning for sexual assault right now. So she tells a story of her upbringing, and she says that she had a stepfather who she felt was being pretty verbally abusive to her mom. But instead of her mom sticking up for her and leaving that guy, they ended up putting her in a, like a troubled teens boot camp situation when she was 14. She's like, at that point I hadn't drank, I hadn't done drugs. So really the only reason why she was being sent away was because she was arguing with the stepdad at the, place she ended up getting raped unfortunately and she had not told anybody about that until Dylan so there's kind of a lot riding on this relationship because she clearly has been very vulnerable in a way that she has not been with anybody else so she gets to the jail and he walks out and it's not like what we usually see where they take the vans out and drop people off at the parking lot. It's like, seems like they just let him out of the front door. <laughs> but The walkway is like so far from where she could park her car. It's like, it looks like a good quarter mile. <laughs> so she's like waiting for him. She, you know, doesn't, can't go on the other side of the gate. So she's like, he's walking, he's got his boots and his bag of books. And, you know, he's, you know, walking at a normal pace. She's so excited. She's like a, like a new puppy. She is like a horny puppy. She is, um, showing her ass to him and twerking to get him to walk a little bit faster. She ends up running to him where she can and runs so fast that her, I assume they were flip flops came off. Um, couldn't even find the shoes afterwards. <laughs> where those, where those flip flops went, I have no idea. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com um, So we get to Dylan's first interview, 
And this is now, again, a couple that I know I'm going to love because the best couples to me are the couples where you expect the inmate to have be the the wild one, let's say. But it turns out that the free person is streets ahead of them, miles ahead. So <laughs> Dylan, his first interview starts off with him saying that he's always been entrepreneur, entrepreneurial minded. So <laughs> he went from modeling at age 18 to selling drugs. Again, if anybody could point me into the page of Rich Dad, Poor Dad that that was in, I would love to see that one. (laughs) So he has been arrested 34 times. He also claims that he was set up um, in the cop sting by somebody from selling uh, 100 pills of ecstasy to a, a police officer. Like I said, this woman is so horny. They're walking to the car. She's still backing that ass up as they're walking. And he's doing, he's like trying to do the interviews with the producers outside of the jail. Like, how do you feel? Are you excited to see Heather? Blah, blah, blah. She is like kissing his neck as he's talking to production. He he goes into the car to like change into, you know, his street clothes. And she's like, mm. Mm. She actually licks and bites one of his pecs. <laughs> Ugh, gross. He tells us, well, like she said, like, oh, we met, had this faded meeting in his bathroom when he was taking a shower and I had to pee. She made it seem like we know that they had a short t- period of time before <clears throat> he ended up getting locked up. But I thought, that they had been like at least talking to each other or there was interest, but it seems like according to Dylan that they had very minimal interaction before he went to jail. But once he got in there, she was like ride or die for him, a constant source of comfort. And she's been around ever since she has three tattoos of his name on her body. So remember that? Arabic one that was on her collarbone says Dylan says Dylan in Arabic there's also a I think there's an English one and one that said Dylan in Chinese letters on her inner thigh (sighs) Dylan says that is quite the commitment and frankly it's borderline obsessive so So I'm a little bit worried about how it's going to be dealing with her on the outside. Uh, Me too. Me too. (laughs) So they trigger me yet again. The way this show integrates hooking up in a car wash is like deeply upsetting to me. If you remember Andrea and Lamar from season one, they went and he took a shirt off. (sighs) Ah, Lord. So... She said that one point when he was in jail, she would call him from the car wash and he would be like, oh man, like it's, I'm just so jealous that you are able to like be out there in the free free world and, you know, live your life out there. And so she seems to take this as like, 
Oh, so my treat to him is to take him to get a car wash. <laughs> okay. She also takes this opportunity to show him a naked video that she made of herself. It appeared to be dancing. I, you know, maybe she was dancing by herself, so to speak. She was definitely naked. We'll say that. Um, and he's like, oh, it's only been an hour out, but like really like ready to go. And you know, that term, that phrase of like something along the lines of like, you fuck, I'm going to fuck you like a dick that just got out of jail. <laughs> well, that's what I plan on doing. So Lord, Lord, help us all. Let's move on to the final couple, Sean and Destiny. So we left Destiny, she was at the furniture store trying to, you know, catch a date with the lady who worked there and also buy some items and her card got declined. So when she gets back home to Sean, she is clearly not happy. She's pissed. Sean gives about five different excuses from maybe it was just a pin number. The card definitely should not have been turned off. I don't really know what happened. I couldn't call the number, the hotline to figure out what was going on. It's late now. The offices are closed, but I didn't have the number because you had the card that has all the information on it. So I just don't know. Okay. So Sean then says, you know, I, he thinks that he created a monster by giving her everything while she was in jail and now she expects not only that, but more. Yeah, you think? This is why you don't go into your 401k for anyone. Stupid. Sean then says, like, oh, we were both talking to other people when we first met each other, started talking to each other. And she's like, we were? I didn't know you were talking to anybody else. And he... She's pissed because she's like, okay, this is not another lie that you told me. Another like omission of the truth that now I'm just finding out. And why do you keep doing this? Now, bear in mind that she just got this bitch's number from the furniture store <laughs> and was talking about how I want to have, I want to be a thruple, but my, my fiance doesn't know. My boyfriend doesn't know that I like women. And then I want to be in a relationship with women. And then I have no intention to not be banging women at all. He has no idea that I'm bisexual. And also, do you want to go on a date? Now, keep, she has no, like, <laughs> no perspective on the fact that she is a complete liar. But anyway, girl. So, he, she's pissed. The other thing on top of that is the fact that she does not know... That the woman that Sean was quote-unquote talking to is his baby mama. The one that he had six children with. That they tried to get together last year. Things didn't work out. Lord, help us. So, we had another scene of Sean taking his friend, his co-worker friend, to the jewelry outlet store. Is that a thing? <laughs> I didn't know you could get... I knew you could get jewelry at the outlet store. I just didn't know that they had jewelry outlet stores. Like, do they have a Zales outlet? <laughs> do they have a Shane Co. Shane Company outlet store? I have questions. 
Only in Vegas, y'all. Only in Vegas. Oh, Lord. So his friend is cracking jokes left and right. Like, you think she wants a ring? Like, what kind of jewelry does she like? Maybe you should get her some handcuffs since she's used to that. Oh, what she wants, rose gold? Maybe you should get her something in steel? Maybe something in an iron? <laughs> he looks straight at the camera and just cracks up. <laughs> it's so shitty. He's terrible. Um. So then they... Uh, his friend's like, I think this is a really bad idea. Ashton's picking out a rose gold halo diamond, you know, with all the diamonds around the middle. How much money have you spent on her so far? It's like... Well, including this, like probably about fifty thousand, and then if she doesn't show up to her court date in a couple days, it's gonna be another fifty thousand. Dog, do you have money like that? Like, this is—he's like, I think this is really dumb. I'm just gonna tell you, like, I'm not even gonna sugarcoat. This is dumb. Don't approve. Oh Lord. So when he gets back to the house, he is looking at all the charges that Destiny has made in the span of like what she's been out like three days. Hundred dollars here, three hundred here, one fifty here, twenty dollars here, like blowing through money, blowing through it. He's like, he spent three hundred dollars at Victoria's Secret. Spent a hundred dollars on these clothes. He's spending hundred dollars here and there, cashing out at the uh, the uh, casino. It's like I understand if you want to buy clothes, but. You know, you going to the casino is not giving you any tangible thing. Like, I can see the clothes and I understand you need them. But, like, you spend $100. She's like, no, it is tangible because I'm happy. Don't you see that? <laughs> so then she says, you know, don't worry about it. You're about to go to work. I am going to stay at home today. They have a pool. So... I just want to swim today. I'm not going to spend any money. Just if you could like pump up the pool toy, the unicorn before you leave for work, like we're fine. So his baby mama Kelly calls while he's pumping up the toy and Destiny's making breakfast. So she, the pool is right off the kitchen. So she can see and hear him talking through the sliding doors. So as she's cooking, she's like, because he, he's on speakerphone. Here's this woman. So she goes, peeks her head out the sliding door. I was like, who are you talking to? He was like, oh, um, I'm talking to Kelly. And she's like, okay, you can get me a ticket home immediately. I want to go home. Like, I'm not playing with you. Get me an airplane ticket. I'm done. D-O-N-E, done. So then, back from a commercial, we get a screen that says, you know, if you've ever been abused by a loved one, somebody in your relationship with, please call this hotline. And I'm like, oh, girl, oh, what is happening now? So they're screaming at each other back and forth. She's like, you know what? We already spoke about Kelly. I already told you about the relationship. Like, I understand you guys have kids and you need to talk about the kids. But the conversations between you and Kelly need to end at that. The fact that I overheard you talking about me to her is not the kind of conversation and relationship that y'all need to be having so fuck you fuck this i'm out you can have all your shit back i don't care i want to go home we are done she's now sitting in the front yard because he has to go to work and he's like i just don't want to like leave on such a bad note with you can we 
makeup before I go to work. She's like, no, I'm done. <laughs> and she's in the front yard smoking a cigarette, sitting down on like the, the rocks or whatever. And he tries to like go down on her level and like hug her or whatever. She's like, no, don't touch me because like I'm really going to punch you. So really get out of my face right now. He continues to stay in her face. <laughs> she's telling him like over and over again. That it's one thing for you to be talking about the kids, but you were talking about me, and I told you that was not cool. So, Sean ends, like, he has to go to work. So, he gets into the truck. Before he gets to close the door, she hauls off on him and punches him multiple times. Multiple. He gets pissed off. He's like, I'm not filming anymore. Take my mic off. And that was really the end of the episode. That's it. She runs back into the house. And that was it, y'all. So, I guess we'll see what happens. It seems like she stays around. We, I did see her in the preview. Talking about, like, how this is going to be rough for her. We'll see, y'all. Alright, that is the end of Love After Lockup for the next month or so. So, check you later. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking.